This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Tonight we're going to be doing some extension talk. There's a handful of players that are candidates for a possible extension in the last couple of weeks before opening day. So we're going to get through some of them. Uh, With me tonight, Andrew Dwan, Charlie Smith. How are you guys? Doing good. Good. Doing well. Good, good, good. All right. The, uh, The free agency that was fast and furious for almost two weeks has kind of died down, so... See if the Red Sox make a a small move, perhaps, but uh, I don't think any of us are expecting anything big. I think the biggest news will be an extension. So the two biggest names we can get to right away, we probably won't spend a ton of time on them. Xander Bogarts, Raphael Devers, a lot of people waiting to see if perhaps they land a big extension. We won't spend a ton of time on it because I think we can all agree these are guys we kind of want uh you know for the next several years to come but uh andrew uh which one would you prioritize out of those two i mean it's gotta be devers just because you know he is the longer term piece obviously there's been a lot of news around xander Pete Abe did an exclusive with Boris today, and Boris kind of re-ran back his uh, company lines of, um, you know, he took a huge discount before, and he probably won't do it again. Let's see if it gets the, you know, the Red Sox to kind of pay it forward with uh, Xander next offseason. So I think you kind of just got to have to let that play out. He's obviously opting out. So you focus on the guy that should be here for the next eight years or so, and that's Devers. And I see a lot of people saying, you know what, give him like 12, 13 years. I would be a lot happier if it was something like eight. I mean, you want to overpay a little bit more on an eight-year deal? I don't really care to have him past the age of like 34. I don't think that's going to age, you know, that great. So I think if you can sign him up for eight, eight nine years right now, you got to do it. And you kind of might have to overpay and push the envelope a little bit with him. Yeah, that's on point. I mean, I, I think we're all aligned that the top priority between those signings has to be Devers because he's the younger piece. He, I mean, you asked this, uh, I think it was Jason and I, who would you rather have in the ninth inning uh, with a clutch at bat? Would you rather have Rafael Devers? Or would you rather have Xander Bogarts? And the answer is is Rafael Devers. Uh, this is the guy that I've, I've wanted, I'm in love with. I, I really, I want to have him, you know? Um, and I think similar to what Andrew was saying, uh, 
you you may have to overpay a little bit. It's going to definitely be more than twenty five to twenty eight million to keep him in Boston. So he's going to be averaging close to that twenty eight to thirty uh, minimum range. Since we know it's probably going to take paying him more than what Trevor Story got, and for a longer amount of time. So it might be uh, eight years with a ninth uh, team and player mutual option. Um, but it's it's going to be a doozy. But it's something that we need need to get done. I don't disagree. We did, like Charlie said, cover it on the last show. Uh, To Andrew's point, as far as the length goes, I'd be okay capping it at 10. Uh, Eight would obviously be ideal. I don't don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. But he did just turn 25 in October. So a 10-year deal essentially takes him through his age 35 season. I don't think that would be particularly brutal. If he were to get a 12 to 14 year extension, like the bright, well, Bryce Harper didn't get an extension, but he got a contract of that length. Tatis got, I think a 14 or 15 year extension. Literally. I think if that were to happen, it it would have been by now. So I think the Red Sox are looking at the, um, probably the, I would say even six to 10 range. They, they'll they probably start down at six and then it, eventually it gets to at least eight. But I was just thinking about this before I came on. What if Trevor Story just absolutely kills it this year? And, you know, he's easily 3,100 and plays well above average defense. That 140 million dollar contract over six years so that's 23 per that could that could hurt devers because the red sox will have a counterpoint and say well you know this is what we're paying story and he had a better year than you did so why should we give you 27 to to 30 i think uh how how old is trevor story he is 29 29 20 yeah, Devers is four years younger. That's why you're paying him more. We haven't seen Rafael Devers's peak yet. I think we're all pretty much aligned that the peak years are 28, 29 for most ballplayers. Devers still has another four years before he gets there. So we haven't even seen the best of Rafael Devers yet, possibly. As far as Trevor Story goes, there's a very good chance that the very best of Trevor Story is currently right now and maybe another two, three years. Maybe. I don't. That's disagree. my mind. So. I don't disagree on the years, but the the average annual value. I think that's more of what I was focusing on. I, I think it's you're going to be paying a premium dollar to get somebody before they've even hit their prime yet. Like you're going to be paying a little bit more for future performance, and then it's more of the thank you contract towards the end of it because we're not expecting him to be doing the same level of damage at age 33, 34. Assuming we do give him that eight- or nine-year deal, I'm hoping it's more like eight with a ninth option as opposed to nine with a tenth option or ten flat out, like ten for 300. Because I feel like if you were to present a ten, three hundred and ten million dollar deal, he's taking it. Ten, three hundred, he's probably taking that too. I Go ahead. are we sure he's willing to take that? I mean that number from everything I gather, and I know he keeps saying I want to be here, I want to be here, but saying that signing the eleven point two or whatever the Red Sox gave him, which was the projected number, 
was a hard decision for him. It's like, dude, that like that's the number that that's you know that's pretty much written in stone. So I don't know if he sees himself as I like a thirty five million dollar player, and then you're looking at ten three fifty, and then you know tack on you know another player option vesting option at the end there. I don't know if ten at three is enough, and I. I on Lou Maloney's Twitter, people are like you just give him like ten years, two hundred million, he'll take it. It's like no, no, he won't. No. <laughs> I hope people understand that this one will be a lot of money, and it will cost you right. a guy or two down the road. Because that you know, thirty-five million dollars is two pretty darn good players right there. Right. Do you think that Heim Bloom is the type of GM, pre, you know, president operation, like president of operations, to do that kind of move? And we've never seen it. Like the biggest well, thing that we'd seen until Trevor's story was JBJ as far as like contract for a player. And then he opened up the pocketbook, you know? Yeah, he's always said that he'll spend it when the time comes. And we did just see that with story. So I, yeah. he's smart enough to understand when you have a cornerstone player. It's just at what point does that cornerstone player value himself too high? And I don't know if we got to that point totally with Devers, but I think we are approaching mm-hmm. that, that if, you know, he does another year and next year he should be making about, you know, 15, 16. Is he going to make a stink? Cause you really don't need to get him done this year. It would be better to, but it's not the end of the world. If you don't. Fair. I mean, Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Terry. Well, I was going to say it was probably sounding like I was nitpicking as I was going through my take. Ultimately, I just want it done. Uh, and I hope it's not super astronomical, but you know, if, if it ends up, uh, you know, if it ends up at 300, I, I think that's fine, especially if it's a 10 year deal. But I mean, if we're getting, uh, you know, 350 or above, that's, uh, I don't think the Red Sox would even do that. I don't think the Red Sox would do that either. And I think if, if he was going to do, oh man, maybe. 10 3 10 10 3 20 because i'm like you t i don't think that uh i don't think the red sox would do 10 3 50 do i think that rafael devers is a 35 million per every year i don't know um i i think that's tough now if you give him that 320 over the course of the next 10 years assuming that's what it's going to take i think it's possible but i'm still really hoping that it's going to be more towards that eight spot um because next year uh, he's going to be making what, fifteen, sixteen million, at least, and and maybe uh, upwards of twenty if he if he's a top ten MVP guy. Right. So if you give that that extra million towards the back end of that deal, he's not making thirty million in his first year of the deal, anyways. So I feel that losing Rafael Devers to free agency because we just we didn't do our job in re-signing him will have disastrous effects uh for years to come and this one is going to hurt more it's going to sting more it's going to hurt more than uh move on leaving for nothing i don't think it'll get there if they if they can't extend him next winter going into his final year of arbitration right. I, I think he gets moved during the winter yeah Oh, absolutely. And he should. I mean, if if you know you're just going to lose him for whatever compensation pick that they've established in the CBA, I think it's like a late third, you absolutely take whatever you can get 
for a prospect back. And maybe you can even eat a bad contract too, coming back your way and get an even better player. And then you just turn your head to Bogart, Bogarts. I, it's a pretty easy one there. You go, all right, what do you want over five years? It will just, you know, clear the books after that. We'll have uh, both story and Xander coming off and we'll just figure it out. And you should in theory have Cassis well on his way. Meyer coming up in his second year in York up established. So I, I don't, they're not super handcuffed here. It's not going to be great, but they do have a nice fallback option with Xander. I just wonder if, they're going to wait for Xander to opt out before concentrating on Devers, because even though Bloom's saying he wants them both around, I mean, that's not that realistic. You would have, let's see, you've got Sale already, Trevor Story. So that would be, counting Devers and Bogarts, at least four guys making north of 20. Yeah, you don't have ninety million just on your infield alone. Yeah, so and that I, includes um, you know, a guy making minimum. <laughs> so I just wonder if they're going to wait to see what Xander does, and then if he opts out, maybe they get more aggressive uh, with Devers uh, in the off season. But I'd I'd love to get a notification on my phone that that one of them took an extension. So. All right, let's get into some other players because these guys more realistically could get an extension before opening day. And and maybe a couple of these are going to be a little bit more likely out of the four we're going to cover. But let's go with Nathan Avaldi first. Should the Red Sox extend him this winter? Charlie, go ahead, lead off. I think they're going to have to. Um, we still don't know um, who's going to be ready, who's going to be available. And the Red Sox have just been kind of playing around with just a couple of arms. Um, should they? Yes. Are they going to? It would come at a cost because this year he's making $17 million. It's the final year of his four-year $68 million deal. They did not move him last year. They didn't move him in, in 2020 during the, the, you know, the shortened season. Uh, you're probably looking at like a, a minimum two year deal to, to keep him in Boston. Uh, he was fantastic last year, like fantastic. It was arguably his best season ever. Um, and, uh, Oh God, it's gonna, it's gonna hurt to see him not in Boston. Um, because I don't know what the rotation is going to look like past 2022. Yes. You have Chris sale in there. Uh, you're, you probably made the adjustment to get um, Garrett Whitlock in there at that point. Uh, Tanner Houck as well. But are Tanner Houck, Garrett Whitlock, and Chris Sale a formidable one, two, three? No. So I think they're going to have to bite the bullet and get Evaldi for another two years minimum. Well, he's going to be the best free agent starter on the market. I'm not counting Syndergaard. He's er, not Syndergaard, uh, DeGrom. He said he'd opt out, but he wants to resign. So just right. going off the names that are available, I would probably honestly see if he'd want to run back his contract exactly as is for at 68, 17 million. Is it slightly under? Yes. Is it a four-year guarantee for a guy that's had arm issues in the past? Absolutely. And 
he's at the point of his career where he's established, his family's established. They probably don't want to uproot their life. Maybe they want to go back, you know, pitch where he, you know, grew up. But I, I don't see that. I think if you offered him that same deal, maybe a little higher, maybe like four seventy-five. I think he had a pretty good chance, and I think you, I think it's a good risk uh, if they do that because. That's third starter money at this point of the game. You know, that's less than what uh, the old qualifying offer was, which we all, I think, wanted to pay Erod. And I, I think, it, I think it's a good risk for both player and team. Well, there are a, a few decent names though uh, outside of Degrom. Uh, Noah Syndergaard is showing as a unrestricted free agent. You also have Joe Musgrove. Uh, Jamison Tyon, uh, Mike Clevenger has a rebuilt elbow. He'll be a free agent as well. So there, it's not like super terrible, but here's where I'm at. If he were given a two-year deal this winter, I wouldn't hate it and go on a Twitter tirade. But if it were to be a three or four-year deal, this has Chris Sale 2019 written all over it. Tons of red flags. He finally pitched the best season of his career, had the healthiest season of his career, and he's got one year left. So I would I would make him play it out. I think still at the end of the year, the Red Sox are still going to be his first choice. They're going to be his first choice to, to re-sign next year in free agency. He's 32, so he'll be 33 next season. So I, I don't know if if I want Nathan Avoldi pitching until, you know, through his age 36 season anyway. I'd at least wait. But I, I just think the pitching market might be a little crazy now. Now that, you know, you don't have to give up that second round pick to sign one of these guys. I, I the market for these players is going to go nuts. And Nate's younger than I think all those guys you mentioned too. He's sneaky young. Clevenger's older than him. Um, you know, Musgrove's definitely older than him. I, I just see Nate having quite the market for a guy that's been in a lot of big games. This will be his third straight opening day. That's a top two guy. I if just based off what we saw, hell, we saw Scherzer get what, 40? I think Nate's worth half of that at least. I think he'll, if he follows up this season with how he pitched last season, I think he's probably looking at 20-ish from being at 17. But I I just don't want to make a Dave Dombrowski move here and and pitch him too early I mean, and, and extend him too early. You know, I mean – what would Chris Sale have got? What kind of contract would he be playing under right now if they simply waited and not and not signed him early for only for him to blow out his elbow a handful of months later? And I think Heim Bloom is hoping that Rich Hill and Michael Walker give you a, a sub for ERA type year. And I, I think they both can. I think Hill, Hill they'll have to kind of limit his innings a little bit and I shouldn't say I think Waka can I mean if you believe in the hype he can with that revamp change up that he has supposedly but 
But I, I think Bloom is is hoping to, with, with those two types of players, Hill and Waka, give you that close to you know twenty twenty one season from Avaldi at less than half the price. Uh, that's just where I think he's probably at. I uh, I don't have that much faith in Walker staying in the starting uh, rotation that long. From all accounts, James Paxton might be back in June, and Walker is the first guy getting his walking papers. Uh, he's he'll be the long man after that. I, Paxton will slide right in there. Hopefully, I, I'm a skeptic though because he's struggled even in his better seasons with his mechanics. Paxton, you know, I'm hoping for the best, and I know we have an option for next year. Um, and I, I hope he returns the form and, and pitches well, but I just signing him early of just has, uh, Dave Dombrowski written all over it. And uh, the other thing with Waka too, I mean, the, the hope really by giving him 8 million is they're, they're trying to recreate the next Robbie Ray. They're, they're trying to do what what he did in 2021 it's the same type of contract I, and i'm a i'm a skeptic of uh i hated the walk of signing anyway but i mean that's what they're doing the dodgers are trying it with andrew heaney similar similar type deal but but i just got a lot of trust issues with avoldi when it comes to health any any other thoughts? No? Okay. Uh, next on the docket is Kike Hernandez. Initially signed a two-year, $14 million deal, so seven per. This will be the second year of that deal. I don't think any of us would be shocked if, if he got an extension early. But, uh, Andrew, go ahead. Lead off on this one. See, uh, that's where we differ. I actually would be surprised. I think this is his final year, unless he's willing to not take that much money next year. I think there will be teams lining up. Hell, we look what we just saw Chris Taylor get paid, and by all accounts, there were a lot of teams interested in him. I think Kike, if he has another strong year in the leadoff spot, he's going to have a lot of suitors for a lot more money. So, I don't see the Red Sox trying to compete with that. Hopefully, they'll have a better option in the outfield next year. Kike is not the type of player I want to commit to long-term. And I love Kike, but I think if you can get him for two really good years, you have to take that as a win and move on. I I think Chris Taylor is like a a very good, um, I think, comparison because I I think he got, was it four years, 17 each year? Did he get the same thing as Avaldi or what was his contract? He's $64 million over four years, so 16 per, so just under. 16. Pretty darn close, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I think the odds of Kike Hernandez staying has a lot to do with what else ends up happening with Xander Bogarts. If Xander Bogarts doesn't end up getting some kind of contract re-signing and whatnot, that opens the door for all that money that would have gone to Xander or has been going to Xander to go to other players. Um, is Kike the same player as Sander? No. Does Kike offer positional flexibility that the Red Sox could utilize if Xander isn't there? Yes. 
would I be willing to give him a two for, you know, two for 22 or two for $23 million deal? Sure. Do I think that there are going to be teams that offer uh, Kike Hernandez more money? Yes. Um, but as far as like wanting to get him, I'd love to have him back again. He's, you know, nothing short of frustrating at times because you sit there like, God, stop swinging at the first pitch. Stop swinging when you're down 0-2 or 1-2. Um, but I'll, I think the chances of him signing have a, a 100% to do with whatever has, happens with, uh, with Xander. If Xander resigns, he's probably gone. If Xander's gone, there's a very good chance he comes back. I sort of viewed Kike as being in the the 10 million to probably 14 million bracket, so that would put him a little bit under what Chris Taylor got. 4 years is plausible though. Um Kike is 30, he turns 31 in August, so I don't know if you'd call this his age 30 season or or 31. Uh, since it's kind of beyond the halfway point, but he he's a fairly young guy, and I wouldn't be shocked though if Bloom gave it a shot because what's our outfield future? We don't really have anyone. In addition to that, Kike is also the ultimate insurance policy. If Xander goes down with a significant injury for a couple months, if if Story has an injury and, and there are already elbow concerns. He could play the infield in a pinch. So I would be surprised if the Red Sox didn't at least explore an extension and Alex Cora is his favorite person in the world. You know, they, they both come from Puerto Rico. Cora has known him since he was a teenager. So I, I just, I guess I wouldn't be shocked. I don't really have a dog in the fight. I'm not clamoring for a a Kike extension like I am a couple other guys that we've uh, talked about. But again, wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if uh, if there's some rumblings of it. That's fair enough. And him and Taylor are the same age. He's just a guy that. Every team wants. They want to have a Kike Hernandez. They want to have a clubhouse leader. They want to have that spark plug in the lineup. I just, I don't see it beneficial to him unless it's an overpay to take a deal before hitting the market with uh, with no qualifying offer pick attached. It's it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Um, there's a lot of dynamics that that make it hard for both sides. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if nothing does come to fruition and we'll see what the, the market looks like next year, but the, the lack of outfield depth in our farm concerns me. I mean, maybe Dahlbeck emerges as a, as a good left field option. <laughs> Christian Arroyo is, was day to day with a hand injury already, which apparently is minor, but my trust issues with him staying healthy are, are really bad. And I spent all of last winter hyping him coming up with bold predictions and he just couldn't, he couldn't do it. I think in the first or second inning where they tried him at, at first base, he was out with a hamstring for three or four weeks. So 
we definitely got some problems out there, but we'll we'll see what emerges, uh, you know, in the outfield throughout the year. I mean, is Bradley back next year? I hope not. I don't see it unless he has a decent bounce back season, which definitely possible because until last year, he was a three more player per year on average. I don't know. Familiarity with the team could revitalize his career a little bit, but I, I don't see him being, you know, a guy that they're going to count on going into the winter, making their plans around. I'm just hoping Jared, Jaron Duran steals, as much time as possible with, with... And he, yeah, he's looked good, um, both at the plate and tracking balls in the outfield. And honestly, the defense was probably even more concerning than the offense last year. So if he can put it all together, that's great. Next year, you could be looking at him for Dugo. And I mean, hell, Nick York might be in left field. Um, when the time comes, if they do resign the two guys on the left side, of their infield. I hope so. All right, next on the docket, J.D. Martinez. I don't know what an extension would look like if he got one, but... Yeah, you can't give him one, right? I mean, especially if um, you want to extend Devers. I think that's the biggest, like, question mark going back to Rafi. It's like, is he going to end up at D.H.? You know, so you can't have anyone blocking that. And JD's just too old. He can go back down to like Miami or something, play his last season or two there, just chase a ring out in LA. I he'll have he'll have enough of a market if teams were kicking tires on Albert Pujols this year. Like, yeah, easily go to the Dodgers. There's just no real reason, unless he wants to get a large, large discount, for him to be back. I think. Him playing out these full five years was great. It's not too often that happens. I I think it's going to be an amicable split. 100%. You can't. Not at that age now. JD's 35, I think. Pretty close to it if he's not there yet. Um, Unless he's willing to take a significant discount, it's not going to happen. And that money just needs to be allocated somewhere else. I don't think he's going to hit 25, 26 home runs this year. I'll be shocked if he gets 90 RBIs. Um, his, all the numbers were, you know, slowly, but you know, slowly but surely starting to come down. And excuses, plenty of excuses, were made for the 2020 abysmal season, where his batting average dropped almost 100 points. Um, and I think that was just the beginning signs of just someone who, you know, passes prime. You know, we saw those years. You know in his late late 20s 30 year old season 31 year old season where he was hitting 40 plus bombs hitting 35 plus home runs um over 120 over 130 rbis it just it's not happening anymore you know that's that's money that could better be spent in a couple different spots you can get a couple of decent players for 19 20 million and uh i believe jd's making just just south of 20 mil this year I have to agree with both of you. There's literally no reason whatsoever to extend him right now. And he's not coming off a terrible season, though. I mean, he was a three-war, just short of of a 3,100 season. But, 
he's not going to take a one-year deal. That would be the most logical extension. Just give him one more year. I, I don't think there's any scenario in which Devers comes off of third base next year or, or perhaps even a year or two after that. So, But you're going to have Casas up, and if Dahlbeck doesn't work out too good in the outfield, now you're going to want your DH position open. I think the interesting thing is what if he does go off during the season and just has a great year. And maybe if we do get into the the month of October, which I'm a little more optimistic now than I, I was a week ago, maybe he has some big moments. I think he could make it tough on the Red Sox to, to move on. And I'm just kind of, it could just make for an interesting off season next year if he if he does have a a stellar year. Yeah, I can see him being linked and like trying to put some public pressure if the teams that are actually kicking the tires on him, you know, they aren't for front runners for divisions and playoff spots. I just, especially with the way Haim operates. I can't see anyone taking those reports seriously. You know, like Heyman will be like, oh, the Red Sox. So, yeah. <laughs> We've seen this way too many times for me, man. Um, it just seems like he won't have this team to leverage because, like, you brought up Bobby, Tristan. There's only so many spots in that order and only so many DHs. I don't think anyone's going to do what Philly did, so <laughs> I don't think they're, we're going to throw them in uh, you know, right field for a year. I, I, I think the writing is on the wall with this one. It's going to be a swan song, and hopefully it goes, goes pretty well. Let me just throw one other scenario out there. It's not a extension scenario, but it, it involves Martinez. Let's say Casas gets called up early. It, it doesn't look like he's making the team at this point because he's already been optioned. But let's say he comes up in in early to mid-May or perhaps late May, and he's just extremely hot right out of the gates. And Dahlbeck's hot. He's continuing on what he did in the second half next year. Is there a scenario, even though we're going for it, to where J.D. could be traded at the deadline? If, if we're just really robust offensively? Well, who's... Oh. oh, sorry. I'll make it quick. No, go ahead. I, in that case, the people that are going to be trading for him are going to be the same ones you're gutting for playoff positioning for. So I don't think, you know, you're going to make your team worse to make them better. And I think that would rattle way too many cages in the locker room. True. Yeah, I, I also... I also think so too. Uh, this isn't somebody that's caused problems on the team. It was just like more, more like he became a problem in 2020. That that was really it. Um, it it's going to be, it'll be interesting. I'm curious to see where the team is after the first couple of months. Uh, I was not, the season felt very grim prior to the Trevor story signing. I'll be the, you know, not the first one to admit it, but I will be open about that. I did not feel that this was a 500 team. Now that Trevor Story's here, that's a little bit of a different story. Yes, pitching helps, but uh, now you have another big bat, and I feel like Trevor Story has the capability of replacing that bat. And now it's a question of what can we do to replace, um, you know, get another big bat in here? Because last year we lost two big bats, 
and we've brought one back in. So the idea of trading J.D. Martinez now, it's kind of similar to the idea of Nate Evaldi almost getting sent out a couple of years ago. I, I think if you're trying to save face and trying to make it look like you're putting a competitive product out there, it's going to be something that it's going to have to be an amazing haul for that to happen. Ideally, I mean, if it did happen, he'd have to go to a National League team. But the the scenario in my head, what made me think of it was in 2012, which was a while ago, and, and, and it's a different game now, but Will Middlebrooks came up and stole it from Kevin Euclid. I don't think anyone at the start of 2012 would have envisioned Euclid getting traded. Now, granted, looking at Euclid's numbers now, wasn't having a great year anyway, hitting 233, well below his uh, career average and getting on base at 315 clips. Slugging percentage uh, was in the upper three. So he, he wasn't having a great year, but that that's kind of where, where I drew it from. If Casas comes up and it's suddenly Casas mania and, and Dahlbeck's hitting well, I just it was just an outside-the-box scenario I was wondering about. Uh, last player, we won't spend hardly any time on him, but stranger things have happened. Christian Vasquez, any, any scenario whatsoever, he could get maybe a two year extension from bloom before opening day. No, it's it, I, I don't see it happening. Uh, sorry, I'm trying to hit unmute. I'm in, in, experiencing some microphone difficulties today. Um, I was actually spending a little bit of time on, you know, the catching prospects that we have, and we don't have too many solid options. We have Ronaldo Hernandez that came over in the trade of Tampa Bay, and then we have Nathan Hickey. Both are not um, – both aren't here right now. Can Ronaldo Hernandez play right now? And this is something that I usually would defer to Andrew, who knows a lot more about the prospects, I feel like, in the group. Um, so kudos to, to Drew. Um, Ronaldo Hernandez, do we see him potentially being up as a major league catcher for 2022-2023? Nathan Nicky's not ready yet. But if Vasquez is gone, it can't fall sp- specifically and solely on Kevin Plowicki. We need to have a, a backup to him or we need to find a replacement for him. Can, can Ronaldo Hernandez be that guy? Um, highly doubtful. He's got a lot of holes in his swings. He, his receiving skills are not great. He could, I mean, you could strike lightning in a bottle, but that's not a good strategy with, with him going forward. But I mean, Connor Wong would, depending on his year, could, possibly get called up i would think i mean he wasn't terrible in that cup of coffee he had last season yeah i don't think he's gonna be a 120 game a season guy i mean today his first throw was like 15 feet in center field so um i i i am lower on wong than i think most people i know he had an adequate showing I just think, in, you know, based off reports pre, uh, pre-pandemic, pre-lockout, um, we know that Bloom was going after Jacob Stallings, who 
has to be pissed he got moved to Miami instead of Boston. Uh, they're fighting an arbitration now over a couple hundred thousand. And that is seems to be the type of player Bloom wants. And I don't know if it can happen, but Sean Murphy with the A's is there for the taking with Tyler Soderstrom about two years out, Shea Langlier's coming up. You could blow them out of the water with a trade for Sean Murphy, a gold glover, a guy that's going to put up about four or five war a year, even if he struggles with the average. I think that's the best bet, and I do think, I really do think within a year we'll see a significant move for a catcher. Well, that that's what I was wondering because, uh, I mean, I, I don't have next year's free agent catchers up, but the only reason – Vasquez w- would get an extension if there was one was if they just weren't confident with what the market was looking like and maybe it was like an insurance move but but two guys in the rotation the two best pitchers on the Red Sox don't want to pitch to him and what if we find out that Rich Hill or Michael Waka can't pitch to him it just it could be a pretty catastrophic season for Vasquez. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, you're never going to have a free agent here with catchers like you did this year with shortstops. But there are some adequate names. Austin Barnes becomes available. Uh, Austin Hedges. Wilson Contreras with the Cubs. Um, he'll probably get a pretty decent sized contract. So guys like that uh, are, you know, Zunino is available as well. Ploiecki. <laughs> I just don't see them. I, I don't, I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that Vasquez is, is playing his last 162 regular season games as a member of the Red Sox. Longest tenured member of the Red Sox. May I put it? Not as a catcher, you mean? Just he's the longest tenured guy on the team. But Bogart says, I think. I think they were the same year. Oh, were they? they oh, signed, okay. yeah. Well, Bogarts was playing in the in the 2013 World Series, so that's what made me think that. But I, I don't have that up in front of me. But um, but he's he's been around a while. So I mean, to to your point, I was trying to get Tanner Houck's, uh splits with Vasquez, but I'm just not. Uh, I can't navigate that quickly around those fancy sites. Um, yeah, so I, I think we could uh, we could all anticipate that this would definitely be his last year as well. So, so conceivably, all four of these guys last year, you know, Avaldi, JD, Kike, and and Vasquez. I mean, that's crazy to think about. I feel like that's though, like that's kind of the thing. Every four or five years, there's a major shakeup where 22 out of the 25 guys are all different. They were talking about the difference between the 04 and the 07 World Series Huge teams. Huge difference. That's just three years, but everybody was gone except for two or three names. Yeah, Schilling, that was it. Schilling, Poppy, and that might be it. Well, well, maybe you Manny. Oh, Manny. Yeah, yeah, Manny was there. My bad. Yeah, he had- Manny was there too. There was only a few names, and then from 07 to thirteen, one. No, That's two. It. At least two. no, no, three. Because Pedroia and Ellsbury were studs in that. Oh, t- Pe- 
20 you're right yeah they're both rookies that year yeah you're right you're right i'm That's just some big moments nostalgic of just big poppy and lester as well so and then poppy so four so that's still crazy. And in, in that six year time, you get, you get four guys in six years, but you go from Oh four to Oh seven. And it's, uh, it's so few, but a lot of people, I'm not a football guy. You guys are much bigger football guys than I am, but I, I've heard so many times that one of the, one of the more genius things from Belichick is how he, he turns over the roster frequently and it, it refreshes the chemistry a little bit. Stuff doesn't get stale. And you look at these teams that, like the 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 Phillies from ten years ago, gave out a ton of extensions, and they just never made the playoffs again after that, and uh, still haven't, unless they did in twenty twenty. I don't think they did, but um, but it is, and the Tigers because of Dombrowski still haven't gotten back there yet. I think. They're my sleeper team this year. That's going to surprise a lot of people, you know, maybe 90 something wins, but, um, but yeah. So in a way you do, you do kind of want to turn it over a little bit. You, you want to have a new energy every year going into spring. So just Vasquez and JD alone, not being on the team next year, that's going to be, that's going to be felt going into spring training. Yeah, I, you know, maybe Vasquez takes a deal to come back as the backup. You know, I maybe he's self-aware enough that he, he knows he can't carry the load, whether his pride allows it or the contract offers allow it. Um, I don't know. I I wouldn't. I don't mind having him on the team. His his split stats have just really gone south, and maybe it was the juiced ball that gave us a false sense of who he could potentially be, but his exit velocity is bad at ball distance. Uh, the only thing that's gone up and up is his whiff rate, which good for him. I mean, he doesn't chase much, but he's like a, a classic slap hitting second baseman from like the 1940s at this point, he just provides nothing. And if Sal and Nate are super comfortable, I, I, I just don't know how it's feasible to keep him here long term. Do you think he might have got under Bloom's skin a little bit with all those comments about adding players? And he talked about not having a closer specifically. I, you know, I thought that was hilarious because it's like, you know where we can improve the most? This it's catcher. like, your, yeah, your yeah. position, buddy. <laughs> and I'm trying to. I, I thought that was really weird. I would expect a guy that's a little bit more established to say that. Also, if I'm Matt Barnes, I'm like, I'm going to skip a hard slider in the dirt. I like screw you, man. <laughs> I'm, I still want to be the closer. Don't, don't write me off yet. I, yeah, I didn't, I, I wasn't a huge fan of what he was saying, but I don't know. I mean, have those thoughts. Maybe don't go on at night on Instagram live and air them out to the world. Yeah. I mean, I, I was pretty frustrated myself at the time, you know, because story hadn't been here yet and we're still trying to figure out what the plan really was, whether it was short term or long term being, you know, two or three years out. But but I just had to figure either way, regardless of which side we were on, like Bloom can't like that too much. <laughs> just crazy. But any any other thoughts, Charlie? I uh 
I'm curious to see, you know, we've been talking a lot about, you know, which players we think we are going to get moved, which players are going to get re-signed. Of all the ones that we've talked about, it's always one of those things where who's right, who's wrong. And I, I genuinely, this year more than ever, I really don't know. Like, I have no idea because we went from, it doesn't really look like we're going to be making any major additions. We signed a couple of relievers and then the Trevor story news broke where it didn't really feel like we were really that in it. And then all of a sudden, nope, the Red Sox are in deep talks with Trevor Story. So it's a lot of really well-kept secrets because I didn't think that Trevor Story and the Red Sox were the front-running pair. Like, if I'm being completely honest, did you guys think that Trevor Story had the Red Sox as the number one team? Not until Rosenthal came out and said that the Red Sox were in the mix, yeah. Because Heyman was connecting with everybody. Yeah, in every single player in baseball, to, yeah, to the, every major league team. That that's that's rough. Uh, I actually I had to mute his notifications because it was like every two minutes, Bing arbitration, Bing arbitration. No, 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 no. Um, I'm I'm gonna be pleasantly surprised when when uh you know the deadline comes up for for us this year. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised though if any of these guys got a two or three year deal. I mean. Last year, of all the people that got an extension, it ended up being Matt Barnes, and that wasn't really on my radar. And yeah, he did have that great first half and hadn't really slipped at that point yet, but you just never know what that that front office is thinking because they're just so closed up. So I wouldn't wouldn't rule out anything by any means. But... I think on that note, we uh, we can probably wrap at some point next week. We are going to do our year-long predictions, MVPs, division winners, World Series matchups. It's always a fun show. Uh, all five of us will be on for that one. It's probably my favorite show other than, of course, the playoff uh, predictions as well. Once we get there, mine but too. I had some doozies last year, so I'm gonna try to. I, I had a great 2019 uh, as far as all that went, but last year I, I didn't follow it up, so we'll see. I think everybody knows where I'm, I'm picking for the the AL East, but uh, after that, we'll uh, we'll see what we come up with. So everyone have a good uh, rest of your week. We'll probably try to come back Sunday. I'm not sure if that'll be the show for that yet or not. It will probably wait a little bit closer just in case any moves do get made. But we'll uh, we'll find a reason to come on as things develop. So everyone have a good rest of your week. Take care.